0: Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Today, we're going to talk about what type of person inherits the eternal kingdom. What type of person will be with God forever and ever and ever? I want to invite you today to take your program, take your Bible or your internet device. I want to encourage you to share our service today and we're going to talk today about who may enter the kingdom of heaven. In the first service, we saw one person follow Christ in believers' baptism. We actually had four more that, unfortunately, because of schedules, they're going to wait uh, until the end of August to get baptized. Look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. Now this should be interesting, right? Who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. Now, what is going on here? Basically, in the tradition of weddings, and I'm sure that all of us, how many people have already been to a wedding this year, this summer? Can I see your hands? Okay, a few. In the tradition of weddings, back then, they knew to bring a lot of oil with them because weddings lasted for a long time, the celebration was for a long time, and it would go into the night and they would need oil to keep their lamps lit so that they could actually see what was taking place. And so they understood that you, if you're going to go to a wedding, you should bring a lot of oil with you. So five of them brought a lot of oil and five of them didn't. So what was happening? What is the difference between the wise and the foolish when God looks at the world and he says, those people are wise, those people are foolish, what's the difference? Here's the difference. Foolish people ignore what they know to be true. Foolish people ignore what they know to be true and wise people adhere to it. So in your life, where are you being wise and where are you being foolish? Where do you know something to be true, but you're ignoring it? You're going to ignore it and you're going to do that anyway. Where in your life are you being wise? You know something to be true and you're adhering to it. You may not want to, you may be tempted to go a different direction. You may want to do something different, but inside you say to yourself, I know that that's not wise. Three times a year, I read through the book of Proverbs, and this is my second time this month. Today's June 5th. By the way, Pastor Aaron's birthday. He's away celebrating his birthday today with his bride, Lauren. Lauren. Proverbs chapter five is all about being wise in our choices, quite frankly, in our sexuality. That's what chapter five is all about. So you've got five here that say, you know what? We don't care what we know. And we've got five that say, we're gonna pay attention to what we know. Look at verse five. As the bridegroom was delayed, now the bridegroom is Jesus. And by the way, guys, We're the bride of Christ. You know, it's very interesting. All of us, whether we're male or female, if we believe in Jesus, we're a part of the church, and the church is the bride of Christ. See, the significance of marriage, because people wonder, who cares how you define marriage? I'll tell you who cares. The one who created it, and his name is God. And God cares about the definition of marriage because he wants you to understand that the groom, Jesus, the bride, the church, is wedded to one another in a covenant relationship that goes back thousands of years ago to Abraham and is fulfilled 2,000 years ago in Jesus Christ's complete, finished, and perfect sacrifice. And so believe it or not, uh, our only begotten son, Joshua, is going to marry uh, the love of his life, Cassandra, this summer. And when they walk down the aisle, they are a symbol of the relationship that Jesus shares with us, the church. Now look at verse 5. As the bridegroom was delayed, and this happens from time to time, right? They all became drowsy and they slept. So the ones with oil, the ones without oil. Everybody fell asleep. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. He's here finally. Come out to meet him. Now, I went to a seminary in Dallas that was known for end times prophecy. Prophecy. Matter of fact, a guy named Dr. John Walford was one of the experts in the, in the 70s and 80s uh, with in-time prophecy. And you know what? We, a lot of people believe, Candace, that we might be in the end of the world right now. Do you, know, you want to know why? Because in the book of Revelation, everybody's riding horses. And with the price of gas, we're about to have to ride horses. Amen? You hadn't thought about it, had you? You better start investing in some hay, all right? By the way, it's about as expensive as gas, so I don't know what to tell you. Many believe that we're at the end of time. Well, in Seminary G, I was taught this big word that makes me feel really smart. It's called eschatological. I mean, doesn't that sound smart? The eschatological climax of the end time is... Known as midnight. Midnight, as we see in this verse, is that moment in time when Jesus, the groom, is going to come back. And so in that moment when you least expect it, in the darkest moment, in the drowsiest and dreariest moment of your life, Jesus says, don't lose sight of me because it is in that moment that I'll be back. So after all of these eschatological crises, there's something that you need to know. Eschatological preparedness can neither be transferred or shared. You say, what do you mean by that? My preparedness to meet the bridegroom Jesus is not going to help you. I'm not, Crystal, I'm not going to be able to say to Jesus when I see him, why don't you give my friend Crystal a break? I mean, I can say that, and just so you know, I will. (laughs) I won't leave you hanging. But, yeah. But my opinion of you is going to matter zero to Jesus. Do you understand that? Our opinion of each other is not going to shape, change, affect, or impact Jesus' opinion of you. So your preparedness cannot be transferred to you by me, by someone else. I've got five kids. I love every one of them. But the reality is they have to prepare themselves for the return of Jesus. And if they don't, Dwayne, there's nothing I can do for them. My wife has to prepare herself as much as I love her. There's nothing that I can do for her to make her prepared. I cannot take my faith and say, "Hey, does anybody need anything? I' got quite a bit?" And so someone came up to me after the nine o'clock service, and I appreciated this because I want to be as simple as I possibly can be. The person said... I love point two and point three. I'm a little shaky on point one. Can you please explain to me how to be prepared? And I said, well, you got to have oil. He said, what does the oil represent? The oil represents faith in Jesus Christ. I have to choose to follow God. Now, Deb, I think about you, and you've been here like 24 and a half years, right? And I think about the 24 and a half years that we've known each other and the conversations and the prayers that we've shared together, the good times, the bad times. I can't make you who you want to be for God, and you can't make me. We still have to make our choice. And we've made choices, and we'll continue to make those choices. So listen to what Jesus says here. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lambs. Verse 8. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Well, of course they are. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers, buy for yourselves. Now look at verse 10. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, Uh uh-oh. Those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Did you catch that? It was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So who can possess this eternal kingdom, number one. Very simple, two words, the prepared. Those that are prepared to meet Jesus when he comes or when they go to meet him are the ones that will possess this eternal kingdom with Jesus. Now, I've got some Christian friends and this is a growing movement, that say to me, well, you know, Kelly, I believe that when you die, you're still going to get a lot more chances to give your life to Jesus. And my response to that is, could you please explain to me in Matthew 25, 10 to 13, how there's more chances once you meet the groom. See, when the groom comes, and that is if he returns, second coming, we're going to talk about the second coming next week, if Jesus comes back or we go to meet him, that is when your eternal destiny is determined. You go, I don't like that. Well, I may not like that either. But listen to me, what you do in this life for God matters. And in the end of this life, it's all that matters. And preparedness is very simple. What have you done with Jesus in your life? Have you filled your life with the oil that comes from him? Or have you neglected that? Have you stepped back from that? Now, I have uh, friends in my life that are not believing. I have friends in my life that I shared the gospel with for two decades. And they're not here anymore. And it grieves me deeply to think about those relationships. It grieves me deeply. But the reality is, That's why the stakes are so high in this life. That's why this life matters. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real thing. This is the real thing. And this life and how you live and who you put your faith in matters to determine your eternity. And so, my question to you is this Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus? I said this to one of my unbelieving friends on Wednesday over lunch. Are you ready? He's lost three loved ones in this time frame. And I say to you, we, we, we are just coming out of probably the most controversial season of our existence, Right? And 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 I realize that what I'm going to say is a tad bit controversial. But COVID has taken over a million people in our nation alone. Okay. Do you think two years ago a million people thought they wouldn't be here because of some bizarre, strange, unexplainable? pandemic that we've all just gone through. And, and now we've got 42 other things that we're worried about, right? And, and we've gone from, uh, we're not worried about anything to we're worried about everything. And now here we are. Here we are. How many of those individuals, and I said this through the whole process, regardless of your view of COVID, and there's many by the way, and I've heard most of them. Regardless of your view of COVID, I have personally, in my 51 years of existence, I have never lived through a season of death like we've just lived through. And I don't just mean of COVID. I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't know somebody who's died in the last two years. And and I don't just mean in the church. I don't just mean uh, in the neighborhood or in the city. I mean in the world. Like I was watching one of the award shows uh, for the actors and actresses, and and their, their paramount moment was showing all the people that had died in their industry in the last two years. And it's unfathomable. And the reality is none of us have a promise of tomorrow. You say, then how can I be prepared and ready for Jesus? Live every day as if it's your last. And one day you'll be right. You'll be right, you'll be right. Because whether we die of COVID, whether we die because we knelt down in the middle of a road, whatever the case may be, All of us are going to eventually die. And then the Bible says it's appointed unto man, unto unto a human being, to die, and then the judgment. To be absent from the body is to be in the presence of Almighty God. The Bible teaches that at the point of your death, your eternity is sealed, it is determined. It is decided, and you get to decide. Now, as I said to my friend, do you, you know, do you want to believe? He's like, no, I'm not sure I do. I go, well, let me ask you this. Would you be willing to pray and, and at least consider believing that heaven is real, because he doesn't believe it's real, believing that Jesus is real because he doesn't believe he's real, would you be willing to believe those two things are real and then say, I don't believe? He's like, well, of course not. I go, why not? I said, because that's what you're doing, whether you're willing to admit it or not. And see, for my friend, and I'm not trying to be mean to him, I love him with all that is within me. But my friend thinks he's a pretty good guy. And by the way, as people go, I think he's a pretty good guy too. But it's not going to merit him eternal life. It's not. It's not. And so he said to me, well, I sort of believe that when you die, you know, we all go back to this kind of spirit force and, and you know, that's pretty much, and he, and he went through this process. And, and I listened to this. And I, and I love listening to unbelievers talk about what they believe because my experience is they try to present it in such a way that nobody will get left out. And it's got this Zen, Buddha, Christian kind of feel to it that makes everybody feel good, but it's nebulous and it really means nothing. And I said, well, listen to me. Jesus said, he's the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So either Jesus is Lord, as C.S. Lewis said, lunatic, or he's a liar. So which is it? Are you willing to admit that Jesus is a liar? Well, no, I don't want to do that. Are you willing to admit that he was a lunatic? No, I don't want to do that. Okay, well, that's your only option left is Lord. So now you're rejecting who he is. Those are the only options. And he's like, well, you know, who's to say that there's really anything to us more than what you see? I said, well, have you ever been in the room with a person when they die? He's like, no, I haven't. I said, well, I have. He's like, well, what about it? I said, you feel them leave the room. They've left the building. You feel it. You say, do you see it? Uh, I said, I've not seen it but you feel it. You look at their physical body and you go, they ain't here anymore. They're not here anymore. They're gone. They're gone. Preparedness. Look at verse 14. So it be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability Then he went away. So God gives us, you ready? God gives us responsibility to the extent that he gives us ability. I want you to think about this. God gives us responsibility to the extent that he gives you ability. Now, when I look at these three groupings, and I'm not being falsely humble when I say this. When I look at these three groupings, I don't see myself as a five-talent human being. I see myself as a two-talent human being. And as I look at my life, see, a lot of us, we look at other people's lives and go, well, I just want to be the best. Well, listen, I get that. But God didn't create you to be the best. He created you to be the best you. And if you want to discourage yourself big time, try to be the best. I mean, even if you're great, if you want to be the best, you'll be discouraged. But if you want to be the best you, you can do that. Look at verse 16. Now, he who had received the five talents went at once, traded with them. He made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he, excuse me, who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground. Excuse me, dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received the five came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five. Here, I've made five more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I've made two more. And his master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'm going to set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Look at verse 24, though. And he also who had received the one, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid I went and I hid your talent in the ground here you have what is yours but his master answered him you wicked and slothful servant you knew that I reap where I've not sown you gather where I scattered no seed then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest so take the talent from him give it to him who has the 10 talents wow that seems unfair For to everyone, catch this, for to everyone who has will more be given. This is what the Bible teaches. And he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has is going to be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So who will enter the kingdom? Number two. Not only the prepared, but the faithful, the faithful, the faithful. See, God has given you the ability to serve and give. God has given you the ability to use your abilities to serve others and to use your resources to give to others. And God is watching your life and he's observing your life and and the enemy's telling you, you can't accomplish much with your life. And God is saying, I want you to take what I've given you and I want you to serve others. Being a steward is serving others and giving to others. I want you to do that. And if you'll do that, If you'll take the abilities I've given you, you ready? If you take the resources I've given you, you ready? I'll give you more. I'll give you more. And so the Lord says to each one of us, and this is pretty cool, because a two-talent guy like me can become a four-talent guy. Yeah. Yeah, and a one-talent person can become a two-talent person. Somebody, where's Jack? Where are you, Jack? No, no one has ever paid me the compliment you paid me today. In my entire life, no one's ever paid me the compliment. Jack said to me at the door, you've got calligraphy skills. I'm like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. He was like, that note you sent me, that was quite the penmanship. I was like, no one's ever said that, Jack. But I've spent decades journaling. And I learned how to write Greek. And so that affected how I write English letters. And Jack said, when I looked at that card, I thought, there's no way Pastor Kelly wrote that. And then I looked down at the bottom, and there's your name. See. If you choose to be faithful with the talents that God gives you, you're going to be the most surprised in the end. Amen? Amen. Come on, amen? amen? Like, don't give up on who you are. Don't. Don't. You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it, I get it, I get it. But I want just to tell you that the race is not to the swift or to the strong. You've got to endure. You've got to endure. You've got to endure. Are you faithful with what he's given you? Are you seeking to serve and give back to others? He will measure your life against what he gave you, your ability, and what he's entrusted to you. And so when God gives you something, say to the Lord, Lord, what do you want to do with this? What do you want to do with this? Look at verse 31. Now, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he's going to sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. He'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. And you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You did it for me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you gave me no food, thirsty and you gave me no drink, stranger and you didn't welcome me, naked and you didn't clothe me, sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. Then they'll also, then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick, or in prison and did not minister to you? And he'll answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So who can possess this eternal kingdom? The prepared, the faithful, and then last, the compassionate. The compassionate. The compassionate. If you are anything like me, and God forbid, hopefully you're not, but I have a sneaky suspicion we have some similarities as human beings. The past two years has created all kinds of fear in people. And you know what that fear has done to people? You ready? It's made them selfish. And we live post COVID in a much more selfish world than we did two years ago. See the world looks at the pain, the death and the loss. And they say to themselves, Like my friend said, well, this is it for me. I better enjoy it because when I'm dead, I'm gone. There's nothing left and see, there's a world of people that are wrestling with their mortality right now. I don't know if you realize that. Tasha and I were talking yesterday and I know this is kind of weird, but hang with me. There's Meta Church now, you know, do you know what Meta Church is? It's where you create your own avatar and you go into the virtual world and you connect with people in virtual churches and there are evangelists that share the gospel with people and this is a massively growing trend and movement because it gives people the freedom to remain anonymous while wrestling with their eternal reality. And there's a massive amount of people that are wrestling with their mortality right now because they know somebody, they know a lot of somebodies that have died recently for a myriad of reasons. And what is happening to people, strangely, is that the world is basically becoming more selfish, in my opinion, as I watch it. And there is a callous that if I'm not careful is coming over my heart where you get yours, cause I'm gonna get mine. Where I'll take care of mine, you take care of yours. And I want you to understand that this is the church's chance to take a different direction than the world. And if we do, we will be seen Differently Now, Isaiah says that if you choose to resist evil, you will become prey. And so you got to understand that when you choose not to be selfish, there is suffering that will come with that. And you will wonder, is this suffering worth it? Is it worth it to serve? Is it worth it to give? And I, I said to someone that is very knowledgeable in the church world, I said, have you seen a drastic change in people's willingness to serve, give, and even come to church since COVID hit? He said, drastic, drastic. See, our world has changed. Our world has changed. And there is pleasure seeking, anything that makes us feel like we're enjoying ourselves. But if it comes to suffering or sacrifice or selflessness, well, that's looked upon and looked down upon. And I just want to encourage you, be compassionate. Yesterday was Walk for Life. And what I love about Life Network is that they minister to moms who are trying to decide whether they're going to keep or abort their babies and they minister to moms even if they abort their babies. And it's really important that whether people agree with us and do what we want them to do, we still have to find some way to remain compassionate in our hearts and love people and care about them in the midst of the suffering of their lives. Amen? Come on, amen? This is not easy. This is not easy. We've put hundreds of hours into getting ready for this week for VBB, and you can see some of the decorations throughout the building. I'm asking the Lord to give us 200 kids to love on this week. We've got 75 volunteers that are gonna be here to love on them. We're ready to go. There are gonna be kids in this building. Even if you can't be here this week, there's gonna be kids in this building that no adult has ever loved. We're gonna love them. We're gonna serve them. We're gonna invest in the next generation. And listen to me, all the stress of church is worth it. It's worth it. And if you think church isn't stressful, You've never served in church. There are challenges, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And we're going to love on the next generation. We're going to look in the whites of their eyes and speak life into them where maybe no one has ever. Or come alongside and speak life into those that you've been speaking life into. That's what church is all about. That's all it's about. Don't let us forget our mission of loving people into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It's true, it's real, it's life-giving, it's life-changing, and God, prepare us to be ready for you. Help us to be faithful and be responsible for the abilities that you've given us, the talents that you've entrusted to us. And Lord, help us to remain compassionate because your word says that if you do all this without love, you profit nothing. Nothing. It doesn't matter. And so God, I start with myself. Forgive me for my attitude in times, Lord, of suffering and sorrow and selfishness. And Lord, I pray that you would allow the hardness of our hearts to fall from us. Soften us, Lord, so that we can love as you love us. God, love us today. Let us feel your love so that we can in turn love others like you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. And All God's children said, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.